Hi, Taisei. Hi, Alex. Back on Zencaster today for the first time uh, in over three months. It's a little jarring, uh, you know, after being in person for, for all those episodes. But, you know, we make do. Uh, and we are actually, we're going to talk about a team that was very embarrassing this week. Uh, and it's not the LA Kings. It is actually uh, your fantasy team because oh my god you what is this this is a, I've this just an ambush. picked up it's an ambush you have picked jordan binnington fucking right using 23 percent of your yearly budget you have jordan who was in the who has been in the news over the past week or so for being an utter embarrassment and a total failure and for you know sucker punch well, i don't know if it was sucker punch is the right way to, but like you know shoving jason zucker and other people and giving up more and more goals all the time and then craig berube gets out in front of the media and goes, yeah, we need him to just play goal because it's not helping anyone. And Taisei, a genius manager over here, says, you know what I'm going to do? I need this guy on my fantasy team, this this dog-ass goaltender. He's got the energy. He's got the energy. He's going to bring the energy to the team. That's what it is. He's got the passion. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, you know what? This is is incredible by-low maneuvering. All right? This is as low as it's going to get. You put 23 on it. (laughs) And no one else put in a claim at all. <laughs> but it was free. Think about it. It was otherwise, aside, I didn't have to give up any assets aside from my meaningless cap space. My meaningless, meaningless. favor budget. All right. So, yeah. And, and you know what? I, he's better than Swayman. Not, maybe not, not, not like, you know, as a goalie, but as a fantasy asset. Just you watch. This is going to be the acquisition of the decade. Second only to Tage Thompson. All right. Who's also on my fantasy team. So, you know what? Just you wait. Just you wait. I traded away Swayman to make space on my roster for Bennington, and it's going to work out incredibly. And I think we can now move to uh, another team with a great goaltending situation, the LA Kings. <laughs> Their goaltending situation is about as good as yours. <laughs> okay. If you're playing Bennington in your lineup. All right. Yeah, so the LA Kings, um, I was expecting better from them this week, I've got to say. Uh, you know, there's all this buzz the past few years about them being an up-and-coming team. Last year, they took a step into the playoffs, uh, almost beat the Oilers in round one. And this year, everyone's thinking, oh, you know, hopefully they get better. Hasn't really been the case. As it stands now, uh, they've only won three games in their last 10, and they're not in a playoff spot. And they were 1-2 and two this week, uh, starting with a 4-2 loss to the Carolina Hurricanes. Uh, and out of the two losses, this was definitely the less embarrassing one. Would you like to to walk us through some key points? Yeah, sure. I'll take it through it. Um, so you know, it, while it was less embarrassing than you know the Leafs loss, uh, this was still you know squarely a Hurricanes dominated game. I found, um, and that that was evident in the scoring. Uh, let's see. So Brady Shea scored off of the rush. He beats Arthur Kaliev to create a two on one. Uh, where Tobias Bjornfeld was like kind of caught pinching there. And so just immediately, you know, this is not a good look for a team that we thought, you know, if we at least we look at last season, they were known for their defensive structure. Um, and it seems that, you know, that has taken a serious step back, um, both at defending the Russian, but also in general. Um, so then Martin, Martin Nachash, uh made a 2 nothing on a power play. Uh, where there was it was like a six on four because there was another power penalty that was being called right after. Uh, it was a delayed penalty, and uh, yeah, he shot it through uh, a solid screen. Where uh, you know we talked about the Hurricanes and their power play struggles. It looks like they finally managed to get someone to stand in front of the goalie properly. Uh, they made it two nothing there. Um, yeah, and, yeah. Also, uh, in terms of the Hurricanes power play, one thing we talked about was that Brent Burns was shooting too much from the point, and Brent Burns uh, on this ex- play had the primary assist. He was like, maybe I will pass instead of shoot. And they scored immediately. <laughs> yeah, just goes to show. Quit it with the the point shots. You know, the the minute they move it remotely down low, apparently they see some success. When you know, um, yeah. And then uh, you know, Jonathan Quick, he was decent. He made he made a great save. He made a couple of great saves on on Sebastian Aho over the course of the night. But the, the first one, um, he made like a diving save as Aho was right next to the net, an empty net. Um, nice save there. Uh, but then Aho did end up scoring. Made a three nothing. Uh, HS, a nice little pass on a three on two. Uh, and uh, Victor Arvidsson couldn't, you know, defend properly. Aho beat him out, and uh, yeah, that, that made it three nothing. Um, and then, you know, I talked about in your I, notes. Yep, where where you say uh, Quick made a series of great saves. In my notes, I have Quick makes a series of incredibly lucky saves. Yeah, after Aho <laughs> slides a puck across the open crease. You know what? At the very point, he he was very out of position. Lucky. 
That you, but they, they, then again, this is like what Jonathan Quick has done all his career, though. You know, of like looking lucky. It's working anymore. What's that? And it's not working anymore. <laughs> That's true. Uh, but he was okay. He, not as good as last year, but he was okay. Um, let's see. What one what, 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 we had? We had the Kings finally got one back. Oh well, first of all, Sam Fagamo almost got his first goal of 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 this career. Hit the post on a breakaway. Um, that's some foreshadowing for what's coming off later. Um, but uh, Arthur Kali have made a three one. Nice little pass from Dano cross team. Get that action going. Um, but then uh, what was it? Fucking Andre Sveshnikov made a four one. He was all alone with like th- on a rush against like three Kings defenders all around him. Um, but they didn't manage to take the puck away from him. Takes a weird bounce off of Drew Doughty's skate. Goes into the net. Game's basically over. But then we did have our first NHL career goal. Talk about Sam Fagamo. Got another breakaway. Uh, and he managed to score on that. And that was it. That was it. And uh, Kings didn't really get anything going other than that. Yeah, that's Sveshnikov goal. I mean, you you talk about a team that somehow, some way, seems to have lost their defensive structure. Uh, that was kind of the, the theme of the week, I think, for the yeah. Kings. Because he goes right through... The entire team, and it wasn't the scrubs. It was like Kopitar, Drew Doughty, Mikey Anderson, and then bounces the puck like off of Doughty's foot and and past Jonathan Quick. Uh, and I was I was thinking I thought the Kings' calling card was their defense, and it seems that they've just you know they've lost control of it somehow. Uh, I think by the end of the the week, it well in the Leafs game, it got even worse. So we'll we'll talk about it when we when we get there. Uh, Samuel Fagamo. Uh, is a player I I really liked watching at the World Juniors a couple years ago for Team Sweden. Uh, he had already been drafted by the Kings, and he had like an insane goal scoring tear. And I was like, oh, look out for him! The Kings have another good prospect. So there's one player I'm happy to to see have having made it to the show. Yeah, good for him. Just I think he just made his debut a few games. Oh no, no, he played a few games last season, but he made a season debut the other night, and now he's uh scored his first goal. Good shit. Uh, but yeah, you speak of the defense. I mean, it really looks like even, you know, they just, they don't have it. Uh, they take care of business against, team, you know, bad teams, like, you know, the Senators that they played next. But against legitimately good teams, there's nothing. If you take away that defense and they're not so good at it anymore, honestly, there's nothing that kind of puts them over the top against any sort of remotely good team. Their goaltending is obviously dog shit. Uh, if they're, they don't have the defense, their offense is okay. They got some nice pieces, but, you know, it hasn't reached a level yet where you can beat a good team with it. Um, especially if you don't, if your defensive structure is lacking and you have goalies, uh, you have just absolutely terrible goalies uh, lying around. Um, but yeah, let's move to the Sens game. Take a quick walk through it. Pretty straightforward win for the Kings. You had, you know, Phoenix Copley. We talked about him last week after Cal Peterson Ooh. got set down. Uh, he got the he got the start. He got the win. Good for him. Um, but yeah, look, the Sens suck. The Sens, Sens are terrible. I don't think it fully settled in just how bad they were, at least in my eyes, until I watched them this game. And it was just their day. They, they, they talk about talking about no defense. All right, you think the Kings are bad? My God, Sens are terrible. Um, they're, they're just standing around in their own zone. And uh, fucking Matt Roy opened the scoring for the Kings, made a one nothing. Uh, what was it? They, they had a, like a little cycle going. The Sens are just kind of standing around, and uh, Matt Roy scores uh, off the rebound. Um, Let's see. Uh, then Mikey Anderson uh, made it two nothing after like Alex Yafalo. He he brings it into the zone and like there's like three senators around him. There's nobody else from the Kings even in the offensive zone because they're making a change. And yet the senators are all just like standing around waiting for the Kings to come into the zone. A uh, couple passes later, you know, back to Blake Lazat and then Mike M- Mike Anderson just gets an open shot, completely open, made it two nothing. Um, yeah, this I mean this start of the game, which I think was two nothing, like less than four minutes in. Um, I mean, you know, good on the Kings for taking it to a significantly weaker team. But yeah, I agree. The story is more so how bad Ottawa is because that they were just they were the Kings were able to sustain pressure like right off the start of the game and score like I pretty much before Ottawa even escaped their zone. Uh, and that the Mikey Anderson goal. I also noticed in particular Travis Hamanick, uh, just laid like the softest hit on Alex IFL you could imagine like. That wouldn't have even left a bruise on me, probably. And <laughs> and then yeah, kind of just the Kings were quick quicker on the line change than Ottawa, and uh, Mike Anderson scored from from that sharp angle. Yeah, no, they're just not getting. They're not just. They're not doing their man assignments whatsoever. Everybody's just kind of open. It's like open passes all over the place. Uh, the Sens did get one back on the power play. Uh, a Drake a Drake Batherson goal. And the Sens power play, to their credit, looked pretty good. But then again, that's not their problem. It's the defense. Um, but, you know, they generated a whole bunch of shots. I was like, ah, you know what? I'll give them the power play. Sens power play looks pretty good. Um, 
And then uh, Kings got a power play goal of their own, Victor Arvidsson. Uh, you know, it wasn't the, the note I have here for the power play. It wasn't the crispest of power plays, you know, in terms of their passing. But there was a lot of like one touch passing that got them that goal, and that got Arvidsson so open uh, down low. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, it was it was just like the Kings, like altogether pretty mediocre. You know, it looked okay. It didn't look terrible. Um, but that's what made it three one. Uh, Arvidsson scored like right after, make a four to one off of the rush, completely unmarked. Um, you know, nice little play with between him, Fiala, and Kopitar. Uh, and uh, yeah, Kevin Fiala scored a power play goal, nice wrist shot through some traffic, and yeah, it's just they're just laying it on uh, onto the Sens at this point. Um, and the Sens are just getting like there was like at one point there's like a two minute shift where everybody on the ice for the Sens was on there for two minutes because they were just hemmed in their zone, just standing around, just terrible. Um, and, uh, but, uh, they didn't make a 5-2. Thomas Shabbat scored another power play goal. Nice little cycle goal. And, uh, yeah, that was basically it. Phoenix Copley made a save near the end of the game. That was pretty nice on Claude Giroux. And that's basically the extent of the notes I got there. Yeah, Phoenix Copley, uh, you know, whenever you have a situation like this, where a goalie gets called up and plays one really solid game, uh, all of a sudden... I will say they should make him the starter immediately. Uh, this is this is a habit I have. This is something I do, and especially especially when it's a, a situation like the Kings, where Jonathan Quick has been bad this year. He's below nine hundred. I'm almost certain, well below. Uh, meanwhile, Phoenix Copley, what's what are the odds that he's really that much worse? You know, I think the odds are pretty decent. That at least in the short term, if you make him a starter playing a lot, he'll be better than Quick. So I think that'd be the smart thing to do. That'd be well advised. Jonathan Quick gave up 10 goals in two games this week. Copley gave up uh, only two in the one. So I say he's earned a shot. <laughs> Give it to him. Hand him the reins. Hey, man. Look, usually I would don't think it's such a smart idea. But what do the Kings have to lose at this point in terms of their goaltending? There's nobody there. There's frankly nobody else to even try out, right? Give a shot. Just. You know, you have Cal Peterson on the minors. You have Jonathan Quick. You know exactly what he is. And you have Phoenix Copley, who I guess is a relative unknown. So, you know what? You want to give him some extra games? Alleviate the load on Jonathan Quick? Go right ahead. I won't object. Because you're right. The bar is so low, you can't get much worse at this point. Um, yeah, it's kind of... I was thinking mostly in that first game watching Quick play that it is kind of insane that he's actually still the LA Kings goalie, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like after all this so, time, yeah. those cups that Conn Smythe, that Conn Smythe was over 10 years ago, and he's still there, and he's still the starter. He hasn't been bought out yet, he hasn't been LTIR, nothing. And yet he just, he looks so helpless and geriatric, and he makes easy saves look impossible. Yeah. No, it's a testament to how little of an investment this team has made into like fixing their goaltending situation. They've frankly drafted almost nobody uh, early. And they just, you know, they, their, their first remotely promising prospect was Cal Peterson. And, you know, they forked over a whole bunch of cash to keep him in the system. He's bad. And now uh, they've got a Nabotas contract on their hands. So, uh, and yeah, like I said, nobody in their system. This is the Kings' fault, you know. And uh, now they're, they're, they're stuck with the same guy that they've had for like 12 fucking years now at this point. Yeah. I mean, uh, and then, of course, we move on to the worst game of them all against the Leafs. 5 nothing loss. Uh, there, it was a the, the very high event, like, first seven minutes or so. There, there probably could have been, like, five goals in the first seven minutes, mostly by the Leafs. Yeah. Um, it ended up uh, 0-0 after one. But there was actually, according to the TSN broadcast, they said in that first period, uh, about seven minutes spent in the King's zone and about two spent in the Leafs zone. So that gives you an idea of how lopsided it was. Uh, and then it exploded for Toronto in the second period. Uh, Pierre Engvall, power play goal, assisted by the new guy, Connor Timmins. Uh, he beats uh, Jonathan Quick clean on the, on the glove side. And then before they finish even announcing the goal, uh, LA lets Toronto's fourth line come in on the rush, and David Camp scores. And then before they can even finish announcing that one, William Nylander chips a puck behind Sean Walker like it's nothing and scores a breakaway goal, 3-0. Uh, the Leafs' offense has totally picked the Kings' defense apart. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Just, just in every sense. The first goal was obviously an off little cycle that they couldn't get the puck back, and then off the rush they completely collapse. Um, but you know this was coming. This was not like uh, you know Toronto turned it on uh for a couple of minutes in the second period. No, uh, you know like you said that first period was very Leafs dominated, and it was frankly uh a surprise that it was zero zero after one. And so yeah, they had it coming. Uh, you can't count on Jonathan Quick to hold back the Leafs 
for an entire game. And what do you know? Lo and behold, he did not. So yeah, it was three nothing. And then yeah, the floodgates opened. But you know that water had been really kind of building up for for the entire game. Uh, so yeah, it was three nothing. And then uh, Mitch Marner continued his his big fat point streak. He made twenty one games now. Nice little slap shot off the rush. Uh, he was an offside position, but fucking Carl Grunstrom uh, made the most boneheaded pass back into the zone. Um, so that negated his offside position. And yeah, just like that, he created that, made it for nothing. Um, Were you watching the TSN broadcast for this game? No, I was watching some some. I was watching the Kings broadcast. Okay, because okay, so Mike Johnson on the TSN one, because just like thirty seconds or maybe even less before this Marner goal, uh, Marner had a great setup to Tavares in the slot, and Tavares just missed. Uh, and of course, you know they have the eye on the, the Marner point streak, and Mike Johnson had the big like, oh, that was the best chance type of thing, uh, for you know for, to keep the point streak alive, and then. Like Marner, like you know, walks right back and again after it looks like the play is dead. Like you know, final do it myself and slap shot over quick blocker. Mike Johnson lets out like such a yelp, like "Wow, get it, <laughs> twenty one games." I would, I, I would, uh, I think it's also on like the um, I'm sure it's on the highlight pack on YouTube, the TSN uh, feed if you're interested, because that was that was an enjoyable call because, uh, you know, it's not all the time, it's not every broadcast that will remind you that. They're a fan too, but with Mike Johnson, there it was very clear he was he was pulling for that streak to stay alive. Yeah, extremely invested, eh? Extremely invested. Speaking of big fan, Justin Bieber was in the building. Apparently, they kept, kept showing yeah, his yeah, ass. That was, that, that was a whole bit. It was a bit on Twitter too. Um, but yeah, no, the Leafs continue to pour it on too. You know, Nylander hit the post at one point. There was like a fucking four on one that they didn't score on. And I was like, what are you what are you doing? What are the Kings doing here? They're, they're getting at nothing done. But, you know, they had a power play goal that was overturned for offside. But even then, you know, obviously too little, too late. And then, uh, you know, they made it, Mitch uh, Austin Matthews made a five nothing. Nice little pass down low from William Nylander, just completely unmarked. Honestly, I think the two closest players to the, the puck at that point were two Leafs, and it was right next to the net. So it's just like, yeah, you know, the Kings are terrible defensively now. And yeah, that was it. That was all she wrote. Five nothing. Just complete domination, head to toe. Kings couldn't get anything on offense and were awful defensively. Yeah. So that was the week. Uh, as I mentioned, Kings only have three wins in the last 10 games. Not going well for them now. I think they're ninth in the West, so just outside a wildcard spot. Uh, so, I mean, we were, we are, as we know, goaltending is a problem. But after watching this, it's clear that it's not the only problem. And that uh, another very, very large one is the defensive structure or lack thereof. Uh, and I do think, you know, I had been, because their personnel... Their, their depth there had been like questionable. I had thought like one or two years ago, like who are these Matt Roy, Sean Walker, uh, who are the Alex Edler you signed again. But last year it seemed to work out totally fine. Uh, so maybe those young guys, maybe, you know, like Sean Dursey, Mike Anderson, they're, they're taking steps. Um, so I do believe in the personnel there. My instinct would be that when it's a problem of structure rather than skill, that it comes back to coaching. Whether it's the head coach, Todd McClellan, whether it's assistant coaches who are in charge of that. Uh, and so I do think that that may end up being the fix if this slide continues. I'd keep an eye on the Kings as a team who should be uh, thinking about making a coaching change. Yeah, absolutely. You know, that was the takeaway I had too. Uh, it's, 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 it seems to be a system thing because, yeah, I believe in the personnel. You know, Sean Dursey had a nice week. I thought it looked great. He created some offense there. And it's just like, you know, like, it's a system thing. We've talked, you know, at least my philosophy when it comes to defensive structure is a lot of it can be coached. It's very coachable. Uh, even if you don't have, if you, even if you have lackluster personnel, you can, you know, coach that in. But the Kings, it's fine. You know, it's not that bad in terms of the talent on their roster. So, you know, they should, it seems to be a coaching thing. I would agree. And, but, you know, I'm like wondering what, what's the, it was the same coaching staff last year. What's the, what's the big difference? I I mean sometimes you know a coach just wears out their welcome and the message yeah. gets stale, uh, yeah. which, you know that's something that that happens all the time for all teams you know, uh, and I mean the name Barry Trotz obviously comes to mind first for any team who we may be talking about this with, uh, I don't know if he'd want to go to L.A. He could probably, you know, he probably has a short list of teams to be like yeah I want to go to, um, but would that ever be a perfect fit for the types of problems this team is experiencing? Yeah, I could. I guess yeah. It seems like he's he's. 
out for the year. At least Barry Trotz. That's the impression. Um, but wasn't he saying a month ago, like, oh yeah, maybe by like December, I will, I will think about, you know, basically saying like, oh, the coaches will start to get fired around December, and then maybe I'll, I'll see what spots are open. What a weird saga, you know? Like you have like one of the best coaches in the NHL, just like, what is he waiting for? I don't understand. I really don't understand. I think this he, whole very he wants thing. to take a little time off. Yeah. Probably. Okay. But I'll like, take a little time off, and then he was like, "All right, I'm almost ready." Okay. I guess he's almost ready. It took him half a season or season and a half. Sure. All right, Barry Trotz. All right, well, a lot of season and a half. Right. It was. It was just last this off. It was just this off season, right? Was, oh my God. Yeah. Time is weird. Um. But uh. <laughs> all right. Well, we'll see. It, it certainly uh, because you know I don't think Todd McClellan, Todd McClellan is anything special as a coach. So if I saw his ass fired. I wouldn't be too shocked. Um. But yeah, like I said, I feel like... What's your verdict on the Kings? Yeah, I was just going to get there. Um, You know, I didn't buy the Kings heading into this week, and I exit with exactly the same opinion. Um, But now I feel like I have a better reasoning for why I don't buy the Kings. Uh, A, the goaltending. No solution in sight whatsoever. Uh, But also, you know, it's like what makes them special. What made them special before was their defensive structure, which like on its own, it's like it's... I don't really even buy it as something that can, you know, take a team particularly far. Uh, if you don't have the the offensive uh, part of it really going, which I still don't think the Kings have, you know, they have some nice assets. They have some nice forwards. Uh, they have some nice depth, but do I think they have the currently the talent to take it over the top and score their way out of problems when they need to? No, absolutely not. And obviously when you have, you compound that with the defensive issues, the goaltending issues, I don't think it's a very good team. I think the amount of talent on the team is, is, is fine enough to keep them in the bubble to maybe even get them in a the playoff spot. But do I buy them as any sort of contender, any sort of threat in the playoffs? Absolutely not. I'm going to have to agree with you there. Uh, and, you know, I think the, the, really, we've been talking about the Kings the past couple of years, having, like, you know, one of the best prospect pools. Uh, Byfield and Turcotte still haven't been able to really break through. Uh, Alex Turcotte, especially the clock's kind of ticking on him. Uh, you know, they have Brent Clark in the wings. Kaliev is having a breakout year of sorts. Samuel Fagamo looks good so far. Uh, so I think it really will come down to a finding a goalie. Maybe that's Phoenix Copley, uh, and also probably just uh, getting a different, better coach, or maybe Todd McClellan will have to just wake them up somehow. Because so I do think you know moving forward in in the long view, the Kings are still they don't have anything to freak out about. No, but in terms of this year and how the team is looking and how they're trending, I I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. I think they might you know hang around the bubble. But I look at the kind of current grouping of eight, uh, which is includes Winnipeg, Dallas, Colorado, Vegas, Seattle, uh, Edmonton, Calgary, and Minnesota. Those would probably be my picks at this point. Yeah, the record feels pretty fake. You know, for the Kings, it's like they've overperformed. This team is not that good. And even if they haven't over overperformed, they're by points percentage, they're not in the playoffs yeah. right now. Well, there we go. So I think they're they're exactly right where they should be. Maybe even a couple ticks higher than. Than so, so yeah, and I think you're right on the development side of things. You just need to get you know develop your pro- pro- players properly. Don't put them in bad situations um, because you know you you have a a good core that you can kind of put your hopes in. Obviously, it's not a guarantee, but you know I can't blame them for going. Okay, this is the core. Let's move forward with this. Um, so, but it's just like they they have not taken that step yet, and so this team is still not very good. Yep. Oh well. Sorry, LA Kings. You don't you don't pass our smell test. The verdict is non-believers. That's right. You know, I'm I'm like in this format. You know, every week it feels like you know I get I get a, a real good idea now nowadays of what the team's kind of doing. And you know, we talked about the Sabers and we talked about you know, all these different teams. I feel like I'm getting a good idea, and the Kings smells like bullshit. Yeah. Well, their bad week doesn't smell like bullshit. It smells. Yep, that smells bad. You're right. <laughs> it smells like shit. <laughs> period. Okay. Uh, yep. Yeah. <laughs> um. So that's it on the Kings. Yep. Um. There's another game this week that I want to shout out for being especially fascinating, which was a game between Montreal and Vancouver, which ended seven six in overtime for Vancouver. I didn't watch the whole thing. I had seen on my phone that it was four nothing Montreal. Then I forgot about the game, and I saw later on that it had become five four. So I turned it on. And so I watched uh, Montreal tie the game, Christian Dvorak, uh, and I saw Bruce Boudreau yell at the ref and swear. 
And then I saw Montreal take the lead on a Quinn Hughes own goal. Then I saw Vancouver tie the game late, Andre Kuzmenko. Uh, and then I saw Elias Pettersson totally embarrass Michael Matheson extremely soon into overtime uh, for the 7-6 Vancouver win. And this is kind of, you know, we had talked not long ago about like uh, the 9-8 game between Seattle and L.A. Buffalo just put up a nine spot against Columbus a couple days ago. Scoring is up league-wide. And I think the league average save percentage so far this year is down to like around 905, uh, which is down from even last year. So I know it is still early, but it looks like the general trend over the past couple seasons has been scoring is going up, up, up. Yeah. And I can't tell if it, you know, it's a, I don't know if it's a general goal thing. in this game, I feel like it was just because partially, you know, the teams are bad defensively, structurally, and also the goaltending, you combine that with like poor goaltending like the goalies in this game who are they it was sam montembeau against was it spencer martin and then spencer Colum- martin started colin Delia got the Delia came in yeah that's, that's that's lovely that sounds great um so yeah good for them you know this is this is uh well weird back and forth i did not watch this game i watched you know some bits on twitter uh but yeah it looks like it was four nothing and the fucking canucks scored five goals in a row it's just uh whack shit whack shit Mm-hmm. And also accompanying the Canucks this week, uh, the Brock Besser trade rumors, which uh, started swirling a lot on the day that he was about to be healthy scratched. He was skating with the scratches, and it was going to be on Hockey Fight's cancer net as well, which was kind of an extra layer of controversy because, of course, he lost his dad to cancer earlier, I think this year. I think it might have been over the summer, if I'm not mistaken, actually. Um, and then Dakota Joshua gets injured, I think, in warm-ups. So Besser comes in and ends up scoring the tying goal, and I think Vancouver wins in overtime. Um, but despite that, it does seem like he is on the way out. And I think I... I'm not sure, You maybe you've seen this too, that Vancouver is apparently like not even asking for that much. <laughs> of course they're not. You know, we you mentioned before we started recording, uh, the Habs asking for like some sort of crazy return. For Joel Edmondson, like a first-round pick, um, this seems to be the opposite. What this some the the Canucks management? You know, I know Jim Benning's gone. Not the greatest of vibes, I gotta say. Uh, but yeah, let's take a look. Where could what's a good fit for Brock Besser? What's his cap? It is it like six million dollars. I don't remember. Uh, it's about it's about six. Okay, I, it's a little higher. A little. Um, let me check right now. Um, but I, you know, obviously, he's had a rough year. Uh, he's only got four goals so far, but 16 points in 21 games. Uh, he seems like, you know, in his rookie year, uh, which he was, uh, you know, he scored 29 goals in 62 games, so he would have passed 30. Uh, he was in the Calder discussion for a lot of the year. Barzal ended up winning. Um, and But the talk, oh, he's going to be like a 30-goal, 40-goal guy. Uh, but he never, A, uh, got back to that form, and he's never played a full season. His career high in games played in the year is 71 which was last year. Um, so these are all concerns about Besser. And he's not super young either. He's 25, and he turns 26 in uh, in February. So it it's, does kind of feel like he's still a young guy that's like 22. Not really. He's kind of this the age that players of his ilk tend to be around the middle of their primes. Obviously, that's not a hard pass. Maybe with a new team, he, he meet, meets that 35-goal potential or something. Um, but... A well, his cap it is oh, it's a little higher than it. It's six point six five, so that is tough for a lot of teams to squeeze in, especially someone who's struggling. But you know, it is definitely a buy low candidate, and a team I thought of that doesn't have much cap room because few teams do. But I think wow, that would be a perfect fit. Uh, is the New Jersey Devils, and I think you know if you to balance out the cap, you send someone like Andreas Janssen back the other way who's been uh, in the minors for uh I th- most of the year if not all the year so far uh yeah he hasn't played a single nhl game this year so i guess um i guess it his cap it because of that is like a little bit diminished another thing is that uh they could end up since they you would have to get rid of some cap room and to deal with the devils is make some kind of like damon severson for like luke shen swap as part of it, because uh, Severson's a pending UFA anyway, uh, so so I'm wondering. I just feel like I just feel like Besser, like Jack Hughes is like the perfect center for for a player like Brock Besser, and then you end up with uh, or even Nico Hischier, you know, 
I think there's, I think that's a, a great fit. Yeah. I, you know, I think the, the cap is really kind of tricky. I don't know if you want to like break up the, 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 Sever, like what's going on with that defense with Severson. Um, you know, maybe like what's, what's Miles Wood up to? You know, I get it. I see he's an assistant captain. Like that's, that's another fat cap hit. He's also a pending UFA. You know, if you want to balance the cap, that seems like a reasonable uh, candidate. You know, we talked last week about yeah, Dallas. You know, Dallas, they're looking for like a, a middle top six kind of winger. I think that yeah. could be an interesting fit. That could be an interesting fit. Let me take a look at their, their lineup right now. Uh, yeah, I mean, that, and then you may end up with like, you know, if the, you hear that Ben Johnson Delandria line together, then you got Besser with like Marchman and Tyler Sagan. Then you finally get to, maybe you could trade Radic Foxo away after all this time. Oh, would <laughs> that be nice? Yeah, more uh, like, you know, like you call it on Dennis Gurianov, you know, who's not been having a good season. It's not been having a good little two, se- two three seasons now, you know, $3 million cap yep. hit. Yeah, Vancouver yeah, could see some benefit in there. Yeah, Faxa and Gurianov almost balances out the best for cap hit by itself. And Dallas does have a little wiggle room to begin with. So that's that's an option. And another name of a team that gets thrown around automatically because Besser's from Minnesota is Minnesota. Uh, who are you know notoriously up against the cap these days? After the Parise Suter buyouts are feeling their their full hit, um, but I do think you know Jordan Greenway is making a three million for the next few years is an option of money going back the other way, uh, and another name apparently Minnesota's really looking to to move on from Matt Dumba these days, hmm. and that would you know he makes six million. Uh, just this year, and then as a UFA at the end of the year, so I could see Vancouver, you know, being like, "Sure, we'll take it. We'll take another mediocre right defenseman." Yeah, and then maybe even flip him at the deadline. You know, yeah, 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 three and a half. You know, and he's in, he's in UFA this year too, right? So, uh, yeah, all intriguing options. I think those three could make for a solid trade partner there. Mm-hmm. And. You know, speaking of that Montreal-Vancouver game, like we obviously still are, uh, the the news out of Montreal this week, the controversy, I suppose, uh, was mainly about Carey Price and to a lesser extent about Joel Edmondson. As I'm sure you probably heard by now, Carey Price made uh, an Instagram post uh, taking a stance on, on gun rights. And then, but the bigger controversy came uh, when he basically uh, put his support behind uh, an organization who has, you know, in among many things, like made light of the polytechnique mass shooting from 1989, like used used poly as like a promo code, uh, things of that nature. And when this was brought to Carey Price's attention, rather than being like, oh, my bad, I didn't realize I don't support that organization anymore, but perhaps still stand by my own beliefs. Um, he ended up basically saying, I've never heard of this mass shooting. Which, if you've lived in Montreal for, you know, 17 years, like he has, or 15, I suppose, uh, that would be pretty much impossible. And it shines you in a terrible light. And then he walked it back very soon after and said, oh, actually, I did. So, Carey Price basically lied. Um, but I still don't have a great sense for whether that was his idea. Because I think um, someone very, very high up uh, in the, with the Canadians, or with, like, the Molson Company in general, basically jumped the gun. And made some kind of statement like, oh, Carey Price uh, had never actually heard of this. And there's a chance that initially Carey Price had no, had no choice but to like go along with that incredibly stupid PR move. Yeah, no, I uh, oof. just way to burn a whole bunch of goodwill, you know, for yeah. Carey Price. Jesus Christ, uh, you know, beloved figure, especially within the city. Right. And then he goes ahead and makes light of like, you know, one of the biggest tragedies, tragedies the city's ever seen. Uh, just absolutely fucking nuts, so shit. Uh, and yeah, the the whole bit, you know, it's like it's like oh my god, the, the it, it, like it has not been handled correctly, right? Like at all. Like you know, the Habs coming out and like making it seem like he didn't know anything about it, and he goes back, contradicts it, but then also is like, you know, I still stand by my opinions and whatnot, and not really giving a proper apology whatsoever. It's just, you know, it's a horrible look, uh, just a horrible fucking look. And yeah, just comes off as a massive idiot asshole. And uh, yeah, just just like like I said, 
way to burn a whole bunch of goodwill and out yourself as a complete moron. Yeah, uh, and Joel Edmondson, actually, this was uh, the, the day of the anniversary, I think, on December 6th, basically said, none of us are really aware of what happened 30 years ago. It's news to all of us, to be honest, but we're with Carrie. There was no bad intentions. It's just being blown out of proportion. Um, this, this is a terrible quote. Uh, for Well, I imagine there's no way that's true, first of all, that none of us really were what happened 30 years ago. Uh, Joel Edmondson is relatively new to Montreal. I suppose there's a chance he didn't know. Uh, but, it, you know, for him to, like, speak on behalf of the entire team and be like, yeah, this, this tragic event that is discussed every single year in Montreal around December 6th, uh, none of us have ever heard of it before. So everyone's just uh, just blowing it out of proportion. Eh, just completely tone deaf shit. So insensitive. Uh, and, yeah, just flat out wrong. And it's like, I, man, what, 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 is, what is going on in these people's heads? You know, it's just like, yeah, I, I, I just don't understand it. Um, but, uh, yeah, it looks like, uh, you know, we got, we got ourselves a, a reputation ruin over here. Because I, I, it's unbelievable to me how in this one swift move in the span of like, you know, four days, he is now, you know, like a good proportion of the, of the, the fan base of, or people in general. You know, like, this guy's a fucking asshole. And, and now we know. And this is just cost himself a whole bunch of money. Tell you that too. Yes, that's probably very true. Um, I mean, I don't think that your average Habs fan sees this as like a reputation ruiner. Like he's still gonna get his number retired, all that stuff. But yeah, you're definitely right that there there is a definitely layer of Habs fans who will who won't forget this, you know, who are gonna think about this when they think about Carey Price. Like, yeah, he really, you know, just kind of like lied to our faces about like saying that he had never heard of the polytechnique shooting. Like, yeah. If you know, if we're like a sports legend of the city, for him to say something like that, and then you know be like, oh yeah, actually I lied and walk it back. Like, what was it like a day later? It's absurd. Oh, yeah, 100%. And it's like, this is making light of a situation. It's not like, you know, political in a sense, because it, you know, when we're talking about the shooting, right? Because it's just, it's, it's like a fucking citywide trauma over here. And he's like, not taking it very seriously in that sense. Uh, and yeah, I think like, you know, just a neutral observer, right? I think it's very easy to associate this memory with him uh, moving forward. Where it's like, oh, he, remember when he like, you know, promoted the fucking... Uh, the gun rights advocacy group that fucking used the poly as a promo code. Uh, it's uh, yeah. I, you you don't have to be particularly radical to be like quite offended by this and recognize just how insensitive this was. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, hard pivot away from that. Uh, but I'm still gonna talk about Joel Edmondson, but on a different light because uh, there is a chance he's gonna get traded. His contract has one more year on it after this. Uh, and it looks like there is one team interested, which is the Edmonton Oilers. Um, I had heard mentioned that like Montreal is asking for a first round pick and Edmonton is like maybe willing to give that up. If that was the case, uh, the deal would have happened by now. But Montreal's ask specifically, it's more so looking like, is Xavier Bourgo, who was a first round pick of the Oilers in 2021, coming along very well. Offensive center uh, would be an absolute steal if Montreal could get him in a return for this bad defenseman. Um, and my first thought when I was telling you about this was like, I think they're going to do what they did with Sherratt last year. Say, we're going to get a first round pick. And all the fans go, that's insane. He's not worth a first round pick. And they go, I know, I don't care. We're going to get a first round pick. And then they get a first round pick. And Edmonton is a little different because he's not a pending UFA. They don't have to trade him at this deadline. Uh, but it would be smart too. It would be smart because a team in theory, would be willing to pay more for two playoff runs uh, than one. So if they put their their stake in the ground and go, we're getting a first rounder for Joel Edmondson or you know an equivalent like Xavier Bourgo, uh, then all of a sudden maybe it'll happen again the exact same way. Yeah, you know, in theory, you would like two playoff runs instead of one. But uh, I think you know, fucking Joel Edmondson. Yeah, if you More think Joel Edmonton's a positive asset, then <laughs> you want right. two playoff runs instead of one. There we go. Exactly. Um, but uh, they're doing the thing. They're like you said, they're doing the anchoring thing. We're setting the price. It's you know, like we're three months away from the deadline. You know, even more leverage now 
leverage, so to speak, because, you know, he's got two years left on the contract, even though I wouldn't want two years left of Joel Edmonton's contract. They've got it, and so they can use that as leverage. Uh, and so they can just not trade him at all. And I think that makes better, that, that even strengthens their positions. So, you know, let's, is this the whole Kent Hughes bit? Maybe that's his bit. Uh, or maybe he just legitimately thinks he's that good. I don't know. Either way, if it works out, it works out. And yeah, for a guy who, for the duration of his contract, we have called him out as a complete albatross, as a complete liability, both in the defensive and offensive zone. Uh, they're asking for a first round pick for him for two seasons of his ass at like three and a half million dollars on the cap. So yeah, just insane stuff. But if they pull it off, hats off. You shed this contract, you shed the asshole, and uh, Edmonton's worse off for it if they pull it off. You know, two years ago, when Montreal acquired Joel Edmondson's UFA rights for a fifth-round pick and signed him to four by three and a half, uh, we roasted that deal endlessly. We <laughs> said it was an incredibly stupid uh, trade and signing, and I stand by that, unless yep. they actually do acquire for a first-round pick. <laughs> it's an, Borgo, it's an investment. In which case, it was actually an incredibly genius move to trade a fifth for a first-round pick. Oh, 100%. Never mind the fact that it would have been done by two completely different general managers. But we'll, yeah, we'll, 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 hand it, we'll, we'll hand it to Mark, okay? Even though if he was the general manager still, you know he wouldn't trade his ass. He would keep him for the duration of the contract. But if they pull it off, we'll put the little asterisk, all right? I'll go back and say, you know what? They flipped the fifth into a first two years later. And, and you know, all it did was cost him $7 million a cap for two teams that completely stunk. So... You know, yeah. I mean, yeah, I had that quote at some point. Like, I'm trying to do what's best for the future of the team, whether I'm here or not. Maybe he did and it. You're like, wow, that's a nice <laughs> quote. And so, so there you have it. Maybe he did. Yeah, absolutely. Huh? Could be some incredible foresight here. What do you know? Just shocker. Mm-hmm. Some other players to shout out: Matt Murray, uh, in a game against the Dallas Stars the other day. Put put had the best single game goaltending performance uh, since like 2007, uh, and this is there are some, some raw numbers to back this up to back up this claim. So first of all, he had a shutout, 44 saves. That's impressive enough. I think it's like third all time for the Leafs for like saves in a shutout. Um, but what's especially especially impressive about it is the quality of the scoring chances that he stopped because Dallas had. Almost six expected goals in this game. Uh, and Matt Murray stopped them all. Obviously, got the shutout. Um, and so Matt Murray, six goals saved above expected. If you have six uh, expected goals and you only give up like three, oftentimes you would call it like a good game. He stopped them all. That's the highest uh, goal saved above expected since the stats started to have been recorded uh, in a single game, in like since which was like in 2007. Um, and not to mention that was the game that Mitch Marner and Jason Robertson's uh, point streaks came head to head. Marner's carried on now, now at 21 and Robertson's came to an end. His team was shut out, even though he had glorious scoring chances abound. Yeah. And just goes to show, you know, Matt Murray back from injury, both Leafs goalies, honestly, having good seasons, having really good seasons, remarkably good seasons. So just, you know, maybe it's a Leafs thing. Maybe their defensive system is better than we give them credit for. Uh, but uh, it's looking like it's working out pretty well. I got to say, you know, barring the early season injury where they had to play Shalgren a whole bunch. Um, it looks like when the guys are healthy, we cooked them for this whole like massive risk that they were taking in trading for that dog shit Matt Murray contract. And then like putting him with Samsonov and calling it a tandem. But yeah. Maybe they don't need the talent. Maybe it's just the team is good enough, and then you, you, Matt Murray can have an occasional great game, and that's enough for this team because they're rolling. This team is rolling. Maybe, you know, top five NHL team, I think. Yeah, like, top five team in the league at this point. And, you know, it's setting up real nice for a, another first-round exit. But uh, so far, it's working yeah. out. I stand by my cooking of the lease for those moves, and here's why. Um, first of all, Samsonov, I mean, has... Well, he's never played a full season, and he is the backup goalie, so he's not expected to. Um, but this is, well, with both of them, it's still a short flash, first of all. But with Matt Murray in particular, um, the big criticism of that deal, from me at least, wasn't that he's terrible. It was that he's injured all the time. And that was the case to start the season. He was injured in like his second game and missed a couple of weeks, I think. Uh, and that could very easily happen again, no matter how well he's playing. 
Uh, and at that point, I don't care if he was, you know, a 950 for 60 games. Uh, if he's not there, you know, in the playoffs or late in the season in key games because he's injured, then all of a sudden uh, the major criticism uh, has come to light. Oh, yeah, 100%. Just like the rest of this team. You know, if they, they can do all of this great shit in the regular season, they can have 20,000 game point streaks for all I care. But if they don't get it together for the playoffs, we're going to be clowning on them and dunking on them yet again. So, you know, that goes with the goaltending. That goes with the entire roster. And, yeah, I, uh, but, you know, maybe he, maybe he got his injury out of the way early in the season. We'll see. We'll see. I don't that's think that's how, how it works. That's not how it works whatsoever <laughs> with injuries. No, not one bit. You, you, you could end up with a situation where, you know, he tweaks something in, like, January or February. And then when the playoffs come, uh, it's, like, an aggravated, I don't know, shoulder or, or knee or something. And he's playing, but he's worse than he has been because he's not at 100%. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So we shall see with Matt Murray. Um, but uh, I'll, give, I'll give it to him. He's looking good so far. All right. Uh, what else do we got? We got some interesting news coming out of Edmonton. We talked about Edmonton just now, potentially training for Edmonton. Yessi uh, Pugliarvi with some interesting quotes, I got to say. Talked to this Finnish reporter, big Finnish newspaper this week. And then it got translated. Uh, and yeah, so he's been having a horrible season. Just uh, six points in 26 games as one goal. And uh, yeah, sounds really down on himself. Uh, in this interview, he's got some quotes where he's like, you know, maybe I just don't have it. He's talking about, you know, maybe he'd be a better off in some other league. Not the NHL, which is a crazy thing to say. Uh, he's talking Insane. about um, just like... Uh, you know, he's talking about how he's not really, you know, like not that he's not focusing on the scoring anymore, but like, you know, he's he's getting more, he's focusing on getting more involved in, as a as a hits guy. You know, he's banging around and creating some energy and what's whatnot, which is not what you want to hear from a player with a talent or the, at least the raw talent and the potential of Jesse Pugliarvi. Um, but uh, yeah, it really seems like it's coming to a head there. Obviously, his name has been in trade rumors for like God knows how long, and the Oilers haven't seemed like they wanted to trade him, but. Maybe this changes things because it sure seems like he wants a fresh start, even if it means he fucking goes to a different league. It's crazy. Besser for RV plus. <laughs> Interesting. Interesting. You know? Um, sure, Edmonton would be super interested in that. Yeah, exactly. But it would have to be quite, quite the plus, I would think. Unless well, Vancouver caves. It would have, well, they would have to balance out the cap. Honestly, I don't have a sense if Vancouver wants to get rid of Besser so badly. They'll be like, Pugliarvi, great, awesome. Yeah. Let's do it. I don't think so. He's really had a rough go. Might be broken, you know? I don't think it's enough of an asset in terms of promising futures that Vancouver would take this deal. You know, just, uh, I mean, I wouldn't. I wouldn't if I were them. Yeah, exactly. But think of all your cap savings. <laughs> to Vancouver? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I... Uh, you're not trading best for the cap savings. You're trading him. Yes, they are. Yes, back. they are. Yeah, you think so? That's a. Well, that's I a think that is a, a very big part of it. Yeah. Also, because they want they got to clear room for Horvat's new deal, or that's what they're trying to do. That's true, but I don't think they'll, they'll sell him for just that cap relief, especially for a guy who's gonna have a horrible season. Is a pending RFA at the end of the year. You know, might just leave. We'll see. We'll see. It's a possibility. We shall for sure. see. Because, okay, last year, I think for a lot of the year, Pugliarvi, he was in that top six, so he was playing with McDavid or Dreisaitl a lot of the time. Um, I'm looking up to see what his numbers were last year, because I think I remember last year, oh yeah, he was fine, he was pretty, pretty good. Um, last year, Pugliarvi, in 65 games, had 14 goals and 36 points. Not great, uh, but better than this year, for sure. And I'm going to take a look at the Oilers lines now. Because I imagine he is playing lower in the lineup. Indeed, right now he is listed on the third line with Dylan Holloway and James Hamblin. Um, so it's not exactly like they're giving him a great opportunity to succeed. Uh, it looks like Matthias Janmark has taken his spot in the top six. So I think this is a player the Oilers absolutely have to try to focus on getting his confidence back uh, to play him with their best players. Um, just so, so he can, you know, refine his offensive touch, get some points on the board. Um, because this is not 
an asset that you want to squander, even though to a degree they already have. Yeah, absolutely. No, they, they need to build this guy up mentally because you talk about playing with McDavid and there's, there's like somebody had like there's a quote in this article where he's talking about, you know, like the maybe I don't have it actually refers to him like, you know, he it doesn't have it the enough talent to play next to McDavid. Like it doesn't sound like he thinks he's worthy, good enough to play on McDavid's line. Um, you know, and he's like, uh, yeah, if you play with Connor, you have to score. Maybe I just don't have it, among other things. Um, so, you know. Doesn't it sounds like he's Yikes. very very down on himself. Doesn't think he's worthy of playing on that top line. Not a good look. Oilers have a lot of work to do. Whether it's to trade his ass, but also just to to rebuild his confidence in the meantime. Huh. Yeah, that's too bad. That's a pretty depressing quote. I have to yeah, say, it is fucking depressing. I agree. Uh, uh, I hope he gets good again. Me too. You know who doesn't have to worry about getting good again is Tage Thompson. He's already right. good. Man, what a star! Uh, which, yeah, I the reason I sound sad is because I had a I was I almost drafted him in our fantasy league, but I took Brian Rust instead, which I regretted soon after. It's one of the biggest regrets of my entire life. Uh, that is not a hyperbole. Um, Dave Thompson just had another six point game, his second one of the year, five goals, one assist in this one. Um, you know, I mean, that kind of speaks for itself. And once again. Hockey Twitter was a buzz about what wow, this guy who was so terrible all of a sudden you know is a total superstar player. He's got forty points on the year. And it's already at you know twenty one goals near the top of the league. And you know Skinner and Tuck are well. I didn't realize how well Dylan Cousins was doing. Oh yep. Jesus Christ, he's over a point a game. That's nuts. Well, the Sabers still suck ass. <laughs> they have over. They have five uh, players who are over a point a game on this on this team. They're still below five hundred. Wow. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah, I mean, Tage Thompson's obviously stirring the drink. This is the one time that the hockey men who were like, he's big, so I want him, were actually correct and proven, <laughs> proven true by yep. history. Yeah, no, uh, first of all, you know, you talk about regretting not drafting Tage Thompson. I don't have that feeling because I drafted his ass. And you know what? I'm playing him this week against you in fantasy. Just a great little full circle moment. And you know what? Yeah. Even though you had a Tage Thompson had a five goal game, I'm still beating you. Yeah, crazy. We'll see. We'll see. There's still some time left. But anyways, um, you know, Jordan Bennington might turn it around. Might might win the week for me. Who knows? <laughs> or he might lose the week for me. There's 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 a lot in the Likely that he loses the week for you. But uh, I just want to talk about that game again because obviously he scored you know four goals in the first period, just a nuts so performance, five points. But he only played less than four. He played less than fourteen minutes in that game. All right. So to Don Granado, go go fuck yourself. All right. Why didn't you play him more? So he had played four shifts in the entire third period. All right. He was, you know, everybody was talking about, oh, you know, maybe he's going to chase the Joel Malone thing. He couldn't because he didn't get any fucking ice time. All right. Ooh. And uh, just terrible. Just terrible. And like, you know, I get it. Maybe you want to rest your stars or whatnot. Uh, but this is like a, a special occasion. Uh, and I don't think they really clamp down on the stars ice time when they're winning by that much in general. It just feels like he did it because Tate Thompson was scoring so many goals. So. I I don't like that move by Don Granado. Um, is it? I think is it like oh we don't want Columbus to like come after him and like punch him in the head? Yes, I think that's or, it. I think that's it. I think that's my suspicion. This is what this type of thing is what makes me think that we will never see like Joe Malone or Sittler's record broken because you know as soon as a player gets up to like five six points or something, coach is like all right that's enough from you we're already winning. The only way I think we see it is if it's a very close high scoring game where you got to keep playing your stars. Uh, and you got like, you know, a 7-7 tie or something. Like, well, you know, got to roll out Tage Thompson again. Yep. If only the Columbus, if only we could count on the Columbus Blue Jackets to score more yeah, goals. Only. God damn it. Uh, instead, they concede nine and score four. Um, but uh, yeah, just uh, cowardly stuff. Cowardly stuff from Buffalo. And it's a shame we couldn't have seen him play like 20, 22 minutes like he usually does. Maybe we would have scored fucking nine. Oh well, shame. Maybe next year or next week. Yeah, um, or maybe today. Hopefully, at least that's what I'm hoping for. I hope not today because I'm still playing you. Yep. Uh, all right. I think it's time we can move on to trivia for this week. You've prepared something for me. I have no idea what it is. Yeah, you know. Oh, wait, wait. Yep. First, we also didn't mention the poll. Um, oh yes, which... that's right. Uh, I should have brought it up because I won. I think I think we're it's, we're ready to call. It. You know what? I'm gonna check right now just in case the line has moved. Um, because uh, it hasn't been a full 24 hours, but I think I have a, a good enough lead 
to call it. Let's see. Uh, yeah, it is. It is indeed six to four with uh, three hours left. I think I win. I think I'm going to call it. Um, so, yeah, eat it. I'm back after a horrible Monuments draft. What was it, six weeks ago uh, or three weeks ago? And, um, yeah, good shit. I had the better body parts. What do you know? The stomach was not it. Boo. Great shit. Great shit. Shout out to the Wombles. I can't believe I am. I feel like brain should have given me the automatic W, but I suppose not. I think feet cost you. I really think people are not into the feet. You know, it's a real, it's a real polarizing topic. Uh, and so, <laughs> if you're into it, you're I into it. I suppose that might be it. But if you're not, it's a bit of a turnoff. Uh, so, how do you realize you don't like feet with your brain? <laughs> As true, and maybe you should have used your brain to realize that most people don't like the feet <laughs> and drafted like shit like the nose instead. Anyways, that was good. That was a good bet. It was that was a good draft. Anyways, uh, yeah. yeah. So art the trivia. You know, I gotta say a bit of a slump in terms of this creativity bit. Um, uh-huh. art the trivia's. Yeah, it's not a very good one this week. Uh, it's just like uh, you know what? It's 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 a whole over under thing. We're gonna do goalie save percentages up until this season because you know. It's pretty what? Pretty crazy. Goalies. Wait, dur- up until this season or during? Up until no, now in this up, season. This season. This season. Save percentages. You know. Okay. Yeah. You, oh, you this idea sucks already. Jesus yeah, Christ. I, my apologies. My condolences. And yeah, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta go back to the drawing board in general on these, on these trivia things. I gotta figure it out. I got six weeks to do it, and um, you know, hopefully we figure it out by next time around. Because uh, yeah, what's maybe a new format, maybe an interesting topic. Not sure. Not sure what the formula is, but uh, we'll get back to it. Anyways, ten questions, and it's just uh, over under. Straightforward. Okay. All right. Let's roll. Um. Okay. Let's start with uh Matt Murray since we just talked about him. Over under nine twenty five. I think I remember seeing 927 super recently, so I'm going to say over. Yeah, this is better now. It's 932. So, uh, oh, wow. Yeah, that's a, that's a W for you. Um, okay, next up we have our favorite goalie of all time, John Gibson. Over under 880. Ooh. I was going to make the joke right after I said John Gibson under. 880 <laughs> is very low. Ah. Uh. I, I don't think at this point, I don't think he's in the 870s. I'm going to say over on John Gibson also. Oh, you know what? He's doing better than you might think. He's an 897, which is bad. But it's okay. better than you might think. All right. Good for you. If you had said 890, I probably would have said under. No. Well, you know, I can't make it too close all the time. You know, this is, it wouldn't be yeah, fair. Yeah. Just saying. Yeah, I'm yeah, just yeah. saying. All right. Next up, we have uh, Philip Grubauer, 890. Ooh, I th- I think that's an under. Yeah, you're right. He's an 868. So, good yeah. Shit. <laughs> I think last year he was like 890 something, but this year I I know he hasn't played much and he was even worse. So. Yeah, fucking right. All right, you know, let's just let's 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 run through some bad goalies. The bad goalies are good. Elvis Merzlikens, 870. Under. Yeah, 856. That's right. Hey. <laughs> Didn't he just, well, he was playing the Buffalo game, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's been pulled a whole bunch uh-huh. of times. He's terrible. He's God been man. absolutely terrible this Jesus year. Christ. Just remarkable. All right. Next up, we have uh, Semyon Varlamov, 915. Ooh, I think, I think he's been like one of the very best backups in the league behind Sorokin in the past couple of years. I think last year he was in the 920s, um, and the Islanders are. Winning quite a lot. So I'm going to say over. Yeah, 9.22. I'm going to roll here. Five for five. Just ah, I'm good at this. Straight fucking dingers. Alexander Georgiev, 9.25. Ooh. Oh, man. I know he's exceeded my own personal expectations for sure. He's been very solid. Uh, 9.25. Oh. That's a high number, though. Man. I th- I'm thinking I'm gonna go under. Yeah, look at that. He's a 918. Yeah. Look at that. All right. I have a good intuition for these things, you don't really I? Do. It's crazy. Um, Logan Thompson also 925. 
I started the. I when everyone was talking about how amazing he was, he was like a nine thirty or all around there. Haven't heard much buzz about him lately. I know Seattle's past them, so I'm gonna say under hmm. nine eighteen. There you go. Very well done. So you've already won the quiz. Just run Yay. through the last three. Just menace shit. Um, Tristan Jari nine ten. Oh, this is one I do not have my finger on the pulse of this one at all. I oh I couldn't uh this if I'm gonna miss one, I think this would be it. Uh uh I, I, I feel like I know the Penguins have been doing a lot better they had that losing streak. They've been doing a lot better lately. They're in a playoff spot now somewhat comfortably. So I'm gonna say over. Mm, nine nineteen. Look at that. Yay. Yeah. And then uh, next we have uh Andre Vasilevsky. Nine hundred. Ooh, oh, this is an interesting one too. Cause I I looked at his stats recently. I was like, oh yeah, he's not doing so so well. You know, you know, the Lightning are in a wild card spot and stuff. Um, nine hundred though, that still seems low. I think I'll go over. He's a nine oh nine. And hey. finally, last but not least, Thatcher Demko, eight ninety. Ooh. I'm going for my perfect score. I think I've done this like one time before. Uh, all the pressure. You said 890. 890. I'm going to go under. That yeah, is an 883. Look at that. Full 10 for 10. Woo! Look yeah. at me. Oh. Look at that. Just incredible. I changed my mind. That was a good quiz. <laughs> well, what do you know? Um, but yeah, like, it's, just a, it's just a weird mix going on here. I got to say, if you look at the save percentage that is overall, the two two out of three is Allmark first at 939. Then it's Samsonov and Murray, one, two, uh, or two, three. Just, all these goalies are going crazy out here. Um, yeah. Yeah, pretty, pretty nuts. Pretty, pretty nuts. So there's your quiz. And yeah. I don't think we have anything else to add other than looking for a new team. And I know last week we said, Seattle, and then it didn't happen because of the scheduling. Well, so this we week it is. Yeah, it is. I, th- I think we even said last week, like, and then the week after will be the Kraken. Okay, there we go. Let's confirm they, it right now. They play Washington tonight, they and they play Florida on Sunday. Oh, do you have their schedule in front yeah. of you? Because I'm going day by day. Lightning on Tuesday, and then Hurricanes on Thursday. So, like, an East Coast trip. I don't know if it's a trip. I think it is a trip. Uh, and yeah, they got four games and they're all like pretty decent teams, you know? Yeah. Well, this maybe will... not the Capitals, but it, you know, decent teams. Maybe not the Panthers either. Eh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But this week, this will definitely, this will put them to the test, put them to the ringer. Let's see, uh, how they, oh, Vegas has now since past Seattle, I knew Seattle was first for like a, for a hot minute, but I think Martin Jones this week kind of started coming back to earth if i'm if my brain is remembering that right yeah, he looks, so he looks fucking terrible he looks yeah, like yeah. Ass. so we'll, yeah. so we'll see uh, if um seattle is the real deal or if we are catching them just in time for their plummet you know i'm down to watch the plummet you know i'm watched i'm down to watch the martin jones regression show uh because you know i'm, very, I'm down to watch seattle Honestly, my ideal outcome this week is Seattle dominates possession, dominates scoring chances, and loses every game like five to two. I think that would be funny. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Why is that your ideal outcome though? Is that, are you trying to push um, a narrative here? <laughs> I, well, the narrative of the team is great, except for the goaltending. Yeah, is a fun one. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, uh, I I don't especially love the Kraken and root for their oh, success. Interesting. You know? Okay, I thought I thought you'd be all over them after you know you got the whole like they've got the depth forwards right and you got that over me who did not believe in them whatsoever. Um, that maybe you'd well, be a bit of a buyer, but which is maybe why I am hoping their depth forwards and okay. their forwards in general continue to succeed, but their whole team doesn't. Because right. I want to be correct. I didn't say they would make the playoffs or anything like that. You didn't. That's true. Uh, I thought they'd be better, and yep. they are clearly better. Um, also, mainly I don't want Ron Francis and the the staff to get rewarded for the abysmal job that they did at the expansion draft about a year and a half ago. Yeah. So I think they did so poorly on that day that they don't deserve to make the playoffs for like at least four seasons into their life. I agree. A hundred percent agree. Although I got to say, statistically speaking, it sure looks like they're going to make it, but you know, yes, we're still rooting it, they, for they will. Yeah, they will. But still. Oh, we should mention also Shane Wright scored his first goal this week in the NHL and it was against, against the Habs. Yeah. 
Good for him. And it's like one game, right? Like now he's getting a fucking loan to Team Canada. I don't know if he's going to play another game, but like he, he came back after like his AHL stint, first game back against the Habs, scores a goal. Yeah, scores. I, people were making jokes like, oh yeah, they Seattle only scratched him all the time and barely played him because they didn't want him to score until they, they played Montreal in December. Um, you know, it's a fun narrative. Uh, actually, I also happened to watch this week. There was a cool behind the scenes of the draft video that I had never seen. It was pretty focused on Shane Wright. Um, you could tell he, he obviously he didn't know if Montreal would draft him or not, but he wasn't so shocked that they didn't. He clapped. Everyone saw. And I was under the impression he didn't think the Devils were that into him either because he didn't seem very surprised at all they didn't take him. Okay. But after the Coyotes drafted, uh, actually, no, after the Devils drafted uh, Nemitz, he leaned over to who I think was his dad and said, Mark, those games on the calendar, eh? Um, <laughs> and then after the Coyotes drafted Cooley, this is, he said, that one hurts or that one stings or something Ooh. like that. Okay. So I think that's probably the first one he was kind of surprised that uh, that he wasn't taken and of course he ends up in seattle uh so you know sticks it to montreal first chance he gets uh they lose the game he's going to team canada um might even be the captain i don't know i haven't looked super closely wouldn't be i might at least have an a uh i know oh we should definitely talk about the world juniors and more next week i think we usually actually do it around this time but i totally forgot uh we should talk about the world juniors next week a name i noticed lacking from team canada's camp was denton matecha uh, which was a little upsetting because I love Denton Matejchuk, twelfth overall pick of of Columbus. You know, offensive defenseman, a five foot eleven, Josh Morrissey type, except maybe even better, um, in my humble opinion. So we won't get to see him uh, suit up over Christmas break this year. Yeah, left off the left off camp, terrible, just terrible. He hasn't had a good first half of the season apparently, but uh, unfortunate nonetheless. Matthew Savoy too left off the camp roster. That was another bit of a surprise. Yeah. yeah, I think people were saying like they already have their you know their finesse guys, their skill guys, their offensive guys, and he's like a tier below, you know, the right Bedards, Stankoven types, um, and they don't want to have that style of player on the fourth line, which I think is a poor philosophy, which Canada employs constantly at this tournament, uh, and they're they're back at it again. Yep, it's a uh, poor philosophy. Terrible. Just get all the talent you can and just let him score a whole bunch of goals. But uh, yeah, sucks for him. Um, who I don't think he's had the best season uh, in junior, but even so, shouldn't be left off of camp. Come on, come on. Yeah. But anyways, no way. So yeah, we'll we'll dive deep, deep deeper into that. We're I think a couple weeks out from the tournament beginning, and so yeah, something to keep an eye on for sure. Indeed. All right. Uh, bit of a shorter one today again. Uh, that's okay. Uh, they can't all be long. Um, next week probably will be longer because I think we're going the World Junior dive in preview. Uh, is all we usually spend quite a bit of time on that. So thanks for listening to this week's Fusion and Hockey podcast. We'll be back next week uh, in what will probably be our last one before Christmas. Um, you can follow us on Instagram Fusion and Hockey podcast, uh, and we'll be talking about the Kraken and the World Juniors. And the incoming Joel Edmondson trade next week. (laughs) The end.